Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from, whether you're watching us live, if you are, thank you for joining us. And if you're listening later on YouTube, on the podcast or wherever you're watching, we sure appreciate you being here with us. We've got just, as always, a fantastic show. We've got great conversations we're going to be having with Nick Nimmin about YouTube, about video creations and all those things. So if you happen to be watching live, go ahead and throw your questions into the chat today. We're going to, we're monitoring those and we're going to be able to take some of those questions today. So just as a reminder though, if if you are enjoying the show, let us know, make sure you share out with us that something you've learned, something you've been able to take away from the show because we love to hear it and we'd love to amplify that across social media. You can just tag at TechSmith wherever you are in the social world or you can use the hashtag, the visual lounge. All right, with that said, let's uh, jump into today's show. Uh, And I'm realizing all the things that it's a different time today. So things are, um, I'm realizing I'm off on one thing, but let me just, going to introduce Nick Nimmin here just in a second. So Nick, he is passionate about the power of YouTube and online video to create and connect with an audience, expand influence, which is something we like, and to grow business. I know people like that too. In addition to teaching others, he's grown his personal YouTube channel to over now 800,000 subscribers. That's a lot. I actually looked this up. There are about 10 countries that have about a million people in population or less. And so he ranks to be about the ninth largest population in in the world if he were a country and his subscribers were his citizens. So he loves to talk about live streaming, audience development, and growing social influence on YouTube. Nick was one of the 12 or so amazing creators that we interviewed at Video Marketing World in 2018. And you can find his entire interview on the TechSmith Academy. You know, I love... I I love listening to Nick. He's an excellent teacher. He's someone that I've gone to when I wanted to learn about live streaming, about creating videos. He's also just a genuinely nice person. I have enjoyed kind of our pre-warm-up chats with him this morning and uh, so grateful that he could be here with us. So hopefully you find that his videos are approachable as well. And with that said, let me welcome Nick Nimmin to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Nick. Hey, how's it going, Matt? I'm super excited to be here today. And the very first thing that I want to say is I think I'm going to start a country. Like that's <laughs> you, awesome. Yeah, you that's could. Great. Yeah, I'm gonna start a country. Yeah, it's you know I was looking at the stats like you've got Luxembourg totally beat. I mean like by a lot. So you know, and your citizens. We got the perfect name already. They're the Niminati, right? The Niminati. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting a country. As soon as we get off of this, I'm gonna start looking into what I need to do to actually you know start a country, get into the UN, and all that good stuff. Yeah, but seriously, though, like super happy to be here today. Super excited to talk about YouTube with uh, everybody that's going to be here hanging out. And of course, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, you know, talking to you um, here about uh, about YouTube. Yeah, well, Nick, we're we're big fans at TechSmith of the work that you do and the videos you create, and really appreciative. We've uh, we've got we've seen some of the videos on Camtasia you've been making, and we're just blown away by by what you do with them and how you really use it in your your kind of your business world. But let's let's back up a little bit here. Let's go kind of broad, and we'll get narrow in on some of the questions. Let's look back at your history. How long have you been creating videos for, and and specifically, how long you've been doing videos for YouTube? 
Um, so I uploaded my first video to YouTube on um, September 27th, I believe. So I just crossed uh, seven years on YouTube. So, you know, it's taken me a while to, you know, to, 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 to get to where the channel is currently. Um, but, you know, it's been an awesome ride. So basically when I first uploaded my very first video to YouTube, I uploaded it on how to overcome camera shyness. And that was because I didn't want to be on camera. I was that guy that was like, you know, hey, I don't want to be that guy on YouTube, right? Like, um, you know, at that point in time, you know, I'm like early 30s and I'm like, you know, I'm too old for this. Um, you know, when people find out, you know, that, you know, I have a YouTube channel, like friends and family and stuff, they're going to give me a hard time about it. So I had all these like mental things that were keeping me from actually, you know, hopping on YouTube. And because of that, I thought, hey, you know, if I'm going to be going into YouTube, let me share this experience and what I've learned from this. And, you know, what I've, you know, the process that I went through and the perspective shifts that I've had to take in order to uh, make it possible for me to actually come onto the platform in the first place. And that was video number one. And then um, from there, I started making just random content because I didn't know what I was doing at the time. So I started making random content, um, you know, about how to be productive or how to stay focused when you're working in a coffee shop, you know, how to do different, you know, tips and tricks with like software and, you know, things like that. Um, but I wasn't really doing like the YouTube help stuff until, you know, quite some time later. And, um, you know, once I started doing that, people started asking for more of that. And, um, and that, you know, leads us to, you know, to hear, you know, now having this conversation with you. But as a quick side note, though, here's a here's a funny thing for you is within my first, like, I think three or five videos on my YouTube channel, I actually mentioned Camtasia as a way that actually, I think I actually mentioned it two times within my first like five or six videos. Um, one of them was about uh, making videos without showing your face, of course. And, um, and another one might've been about, you know, how to make your videos better or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but, um, but I've been using Camtasia actually since September of 2014. So, you know, like because of that, like I'm super pumped just to be here, you know, on the channel anyway, just because I'm a huge supporter of what's going on, you know, what you guys are working on anyway. So, uh, so super excited about that too. Oh, that, that's so awesome. Well, let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people have this vision of like, I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to be an instant success. And you, you mentioned the seven years. Before that, mm -hmm. that first video, were you using video for other things? Or was this like something like, oh, I'm just interested. I see it as an opportunity. Let's, let's dive in. Yeah, I actually came on because um, I was at the at that point in time, I was doing design work, graphic design work, and I had picked on uh, not picked on picked up a handful of, you know, very difficult clients to work with. And and I love creating stuff. I love making stuff and, and you know, being creative. And at that point in time, with those difficult clients, it was um, kind of taking the joy out of what it was that I was doing. And because, you know, at that point in time, we'd put all of our eggs into the basket of those handful of clients. And uh, it was just kind of like a, a situation that I was like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And I wanted to get out of it. So because of that, um, myself and my brother, who, you know, was doing all that with me, um, I was actually doing it with him because he was doing it all first. But basically, um, we started exploring different avenues of things that we could do that would get us out of that particular thing. And um, one of those avenues that I explored was internet marketing. And I started seeing how people were using YouTube and talking about how easy it was to get people to sign up on in their email list via YouTube. And since I was just getting into the internet marketing thing, I'm like, okay, email list is an important thing. Since email list is an important thing, people are now saying also that they're getting, you know, traction from YouTube for it. So therefore it's something that I need to consider if, um, if I'm trying to grow an email list. So that my very first video, I had an opt-in for an email list, um, because, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was coming onto the platform and if I was going to do it, um, that I was going to, you know, do it for a purpose. And that purpose at that moment in time was that I was trying to grow an email list. So, so yeah. that's when I first uh, came onto the platform was with that goal of simply 
collecting emails. Um, I didn't understand at that point in time um, the impact that I could have through a YouTube channel. I didn't understand how an, a YouTube channel would impact me um, and how that it would create such a huge impact just in my life in general, not just, you know, being on the internet, but in terms of, you know, the people that I would meet, the opportunities that I would get, um, the, you know, just everything, you know, that, that comes from, you know, from having a, a successful YouTube channel. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I'm super glad that I got over the thing of like, Hey, I'm, you know, not wanting to be on camera. Super glad that I was able to, uh, to get over that. If not, then, um, then I'm not sure that I would be, you know, as happy as I am, as fulfilled as I am, and all of those other things that have come on the back end of, you know, of taking that risk of, you know, putting myself out there. Yeah. Oh, gosh, what an amazing thing. Like just that, how one choice can kind of change the trajectory of, of, of what you do. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people about YouTube, right, in terms of like, taking those lessons that I think I see you and other creators that are really awesome and bringing them to more of the corporate setting where they're not, they're not trying to be on YouTube. They're trying to make helpful content for their employees or for their customers or whatever. Um, but one thing that people always talk to me about, like, oh, well, my kid wants to be a YouTuber. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, everyone's kid, like, I want to be a YouTuber. Um, so how does it feel that you've reached the pinnacle of, like, rock star status, right? You are a YouTuber. Is that, <laughs> does that feel pretty good? I don't know. If, if I was young, I mean, it's awesome. It, it is an accomplishment. So because of that, you know, like, I, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm technically in, like, the 1% of YouTube, so to speak. So, like, that part of it is awesome because it is, you know, it's an accomplishment. And there's a lot of people that want that. So, you know, it, it definitely feels great. Um, however, like, you know, these days, like, uh, I wish that I, I wish that when I was like 18, that, that this opportunity was available at that point in time. Um, but you know, it wasn't, and I'm glad that, you know, that I did get started when I, when I did. Um, and I encourage anybody that is considering it. And that's like, Hey, you know, my, I think that I might let my kid, you know, have a YouTube channel, you know, once they're old enough or whatever. Um, as soon as they hit that age, like let them start trying it. Because, you know, there's a huge learning curve that you have to go through. You know, Matt, you and I were talking before about, you know, cameras and gear and, and all that stuff. Just the side of what camera do I get? Um, what gear do I start with? What do I, you know, start talking about my videos, things like that. All of those things, just those very basic things of just getting started, there's a learning curve with all that. You got to get a camera, figure out how to use it or, or, or learn how to like adjust your webcam properly so that it makes everything look good and consistent through the videos that you're recording. But there's a huge learning curve with YouTube. So for anybody that's considering getting started on YouTube, I encourage you to, you know, get started as fast as you possibly can so that you can give yourself the time that you need in order to actually get through that learning curve, um, which is the place where a lot of, you know, dreams die, so to speak, when it comes to YouTube, just because, you know, there is, you know, at, you know, there's work involved with, you know, getting through that learning curve and you have to, you know, dedicate some time to, you know, to making sure that you are, um, you know, fully learning how to use your camera or learning how to, you know, upload videos to YouTube or optimize your videos or learning how to get your audience to click on what it is that you're doing. So because of that, like if anybody's on the fence, like go ahead and do it because, uh, because you're going to have to burn that time anyway. So you might as well go ahead and just start burning that time right now as you're going through that learning process so that you can start getting results on what it is that you're doing faster. Yeah, I love that. So one of the experiences, you know, we talked about, I talked about my family a little bit. I've got a 15 year old and he's like, dad, I want to be, a, I want to stream my video games, which, you know, is a very popular thing for kids to want to do. Yeah. And it was interesting. I would occasionally tune into his videos and he wouldn't have a lot of people watching or whatever, and that's fine. But what I was trying to coach him on, I'm like, dude, you got to learn how it's not just about playing a good game. 
It's about all the other things that you do, the interactions, the, the questions, the comments, the things that you like, you're, you got to pull people in. They don't, they don't really care if you're good. It helps to be good, but it's like all the other stuff I think people watch for. So I love what you're saying, right? Like you got to get into it, even if you're, whether you're 18 or where you're, you're 58, right? Like you got to start. And that's something we're big fans of here on the visual lounge is that idea of starting and just keeping getting better and better and better. So, so one thing I've, I've positioned here is I, as I've talked to a lot of people, I often say to people like, cause we use YouTube almost pejoratively. Like it's kind of like, Ooh, YouTuber. Right. Um, but I've often said that YouTubers are, and Nick, I'll put you in this. They're smart business people first. That's really what you are is a smart business person. So I'm, I'm curious for you, what are the lessons that you've learned from YouTube that have, have helped you to be better at business? Um, one is that, you know, with anything that you sell, um, you have to understand who it is that you're selling to. You have to understand, you know, the things that would cause those persons, th those persons, those people to, you know, respond in some way to what it is that you're doing. And YouTube, um, has been fantastic for really honing those particular skills, because, you know, one of the things when it comes to YouTube is that when you are putting content up, you have to be intentional about all the things that you're doing. Sure, you can just kind of wing it and you can have videos, you know, that will take off and then, you know, you'll do fine for a while, but then everything will kind of collapse, you know, if you can't consistently do that. So because of that, you know, you have to go through this process and, and build systems around what it is that you are doing when it comes to, when you record your content, how much content you record at a certain time, how you're putting it together, how you're organizing everything, all of that stuff is like one whole side of it. But, um, but you know, the big part that applies, you know, heavily to, to the business side of things is of course, just really understanding the people that you're in front of and the people that you are, you know, in, in a business sense, the people that you're putting your products in front of, but from a YouTube sense, the people that you're putting your content in front of and understanding, you know, like, what is it that they want? Um, what is it that they don't want? What is it like when they're laying in bed at night? Like, you know, is your product or service something that, you know, that they're thinking like, man, how do I fix this particular problem? Like, is your product or service the thing that fixes that problem, <laughs> right? right? And how can you, how can you use that, you know, them thinking about that? How can you use that um, in a way in your marketing material, as an example from, for business, like on your sales page, in order to speak to them at a deeper level that will help them understand that you get the problem that they're having so that they have a better um, um, trust in you to help them overcome that specific problem. So that's one example. And then, like I said before, just the organizational side of things, you know, there's a lot that goes into it um, in terms of just keeping everything organized and making sure that you stay consistent with what it is that you're doing and, and things like that. Those are just kind of like just general best practice things when it comes to business though, cause you gotta be responsible. You gotta, you know, be organized and all that stuff. Um, but I would say the, the deeper side of things is really just understanding your audience and also just the intentionality, you know, like when you're, when you're doing anything in, the, in any type of business, you have to be really intentional about, you know, all the decisions that you're making, because literally everything that you're doing can have an impact on, you know, on your business. It can help you or hurt you. So because of that, you can't go through your business and just kind of wing everything. You have to be very intentional. Like, Hey, we're releasing this product this time, or we're, you know, doing these specific things on the marketing side of these particular times because of, you know, X, Y, Z. So YouTube is the same exact way. I'm making this piece of content because this piece of content is something that I'm going to be able to position in search that will then in turn, 
um, be able to bring in long-term stable traffic for this particular topic. And then for this next piece of content, I'm gonna publish this one because I know that this is something that I'll be able to pull a lot of recommendation traffic from. So this will probably have a big spike, but then it'll slowly taper off over time, which means that then later I'll re-optimize it for search down the road, you know, like those types of things. But you have to be really intentional about everything it is that you're doing because just like in the business world, if you wing it, then you might, you know, you might get lucky, you know, from time to time. But the sustainability side is is really important, and you can't sustain if you're just winging it in the business world, or you know, when it comes to YouTube. Um, so because of that, you know, there's there's a lot of crossover <laughs> when it comes yeah. between you know YouTube and the business world. Well, I, I I love that because what I'm hearing is there is no silver bullet here. You've got to you've got to have good content. You've got to be focused on your audience. You got to focus on those topics that are going to be helpful and relevant. Uh, so it makes sense, you know, like both things are true whether you're making videos for your, your living or whether you're doing other things, selling, you know, software or whatever it might be. So let's, let's kind of go back to audience for a second. And I'm curious because I, and I know you get this question a lot. A lot of people will ask, well, how do I know who's in my audience? So what advice would you give for people who are saying, Hey, I want to make videos and I want to, you know, they, they might have a product that they're trying to sell. We'll, we'll kind of go that, that route, right? I've got a product I'm going to sell. How do I know if these this is my right audience for my videos? Like, what what would you tell someone who asks you that question? So, when it comes to your actual video content itself, like the idea first, like let's say that you're using YouTube for business or for your product, right? So, let's say that we extend that. So, it's like, hey, we have this product and we're going to use YouTube to actually market this product. Like, what do we do? So, in that particular situation, then of course, you know, just like you would with a product, you would think, okay, um, like we'll just use Camtasia for example. So, with Camtasia, you know, you have to think, okay, who would be a likely candidate to actually use our product? So, we're, we built this awesome, you know, piece of software. And, you know, one, what value? does that does that give to people what problem does it solve and for those people who are those people that it solves those problems so in your case and i'm just making assumptions here feel free mm -hmm. to correct any of this but i'm just using it as the reference but in your case you know you you are going to have business owners that of course are going to use the you know camtasia for, to make like training material things like that you're mm -hmm. going to have content creators that are using it in order to um you know to, to enhance their videos or to maybe even fully make the content itself in addition to that, you're also going to have course creators and, you know, people that make like online courses, but aren't really in the content creator space necessarily. And they're not really in the, in that type of, you know, thing. So, you know, they're going to use it for that sort of thing. And then you might also have, you know, some people that are also just going to use it, you know, to record ads and that sort of thing. Um, so the, the people that you're actually reaching with that, you would say, okay, so for the content creators, um, then in that case, um, what type of content creator are we going for? Well, we're not going for vloggers, right? So just right by default, you can kind of think through a lot of this stuff. So with Camtasia, we're not necessarily going for vloggers because vloggers aren't necessarily, and by vloggers, I mean people that are like running around town with their camera, travel vloggers, right, things right. like that. They're not necessarily, you know, sharing, you know, screen recordings unless maybe they're highlighting like a travel website on some rare occasion. Um, so because of that, you know, that particular, you know, niche might not be a great fit for Camtasia. However, if you're, uh, you know, if you're uh, like people that make Photoshop tutorials, fantastic, perfect fit for Camtasia. So therefore, you would add them to your list of people that you would be trying to reach with Camtasia. And then when you're putting your marketing material together, then the people that are doing software tutorials on YouTube would be a great candidate for, okay, let's try to target these people with either content or paid marketing. And you just kind of rinse and repeat that process. 
through every, you know, potential thing that you can think of for the, you know, for the type of thing that you're doing, be it, you know, a product or service or for your YouTube channel. And then from there, once you identify like, okay, these are the people that are a good candidate for what I'm doing. So let's back this up a little bit because we did this around Camtasia. Let's apply it to YouTube also. So let's say, for example, you're like, hey, I'm making Photoshop tutorials. <laughs> so right, then in that right. case, who's, who's my audience, right? So then from there, then that's where you have to start thinking, well, okay, as the very first qualifier here, they probably need to have Photoshop, right? They're probably a Photoshop user. Two, if they're watching tutorials, they're either, um, you have to make the call on, am I gonna be making advanced tutorials for people that are already familiar with Photoshop, or am I going to be making more basic tutorials to kind of usher in all of these new Photoshop users, right? And then you have to make that call because when you make that call on YouTube, especially when you make that call on YouTube, that's where you say, okay, well, if I'm reaching the people that are just getting started in Photoshop, then that means the things that I'm sharing within these tutorials, they're gonna like the, the, the experience level needs to cap out at a certain place in order to make sure that every piece of content that I'm putting out or majority of the content that I'm putting out is a great fit for people that are just coming in starting to use Photoshop. So when it comes to, you know, determining who your audience is, you know, it's really important to, I mean, on YouTube, first, it like above everything else, it's important to make sure that you first understand what it is that you're trying to get out of your YouTube channel. Like, why am I doing this in the first place? Why am I uploading these videos? Am I trying to use it for my business? Am I trying to grow a community around people that care about the same things as I do? Am I trying to get famous? Like, what, it, what exactly is it that I want out of my YouTube channel? That's the first thing you have to define from there. And then when it comes to the audience side, that's where you start saying, okay, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Now, what type of content do I need to make to get in front of people that are also that are going to help me accomplish that thing. So for example, if you're trying to get famous, in that case, you're, you know, you, you probably don't want to spend tons of time doing, um, you know, content on some like, obscure software that nobody uses and doing like, you know, tutorials on that, because just the market cap on that is going to be extremely low. So because of that, you know, you might want to go for something like, you know, Camtasia or something like Photoshop or something like that, that has a, you know, much larger audience that actually gives you that potential to get famous, or you might not want to do tutorials at all and just jump right into like entertainment type content to where you can go a lot more broad with your audience. Right. So, you know, when you know what it is that you want, then, then when you start kind of reverse engineering things from that point, it can also shine a lot of light, um, on who it is or a spotlight, I should say on who it is that you're actually needing to get in front of. Um, but that also comes down to thinking, like I was saying before in the Photoshop example, like if you are, if you know, okay, hey, um, I'm not trying to be famous here, but I just want to have a community of, of Photoshop users so that I can also offer, you know, like brush, um, brushes that I can sell, brush kits that I can sell, I can offer training that I can sell, I can do those sort of things so that I can work on the internet. Then in that case, based around the goal that you have or the reason that you're doing that channel, and uh, you, based on that reason that you're doing the channel, then you say, okay, then I'm reaching, you know, new Photoshop users that will need all of this stuff that I'm going to have available for sale. And then you start making the right content that will get you in front of those people that are going to be the most likely candidates to one, enjoy the content, uh, which will help you grow the channel. But two, that will also lead those people into the other things that you have available, like your Photoshop brushes, the additional training that you do and things like that. Well, I think we just had a masterclass on audience definition. That was fantastic, Nick, because I think I, I and I love what you're saying, right? Is because you're, you, you've got a, that key thing is why am I here? What am I doing? Like, what's my goal? And then that from that 
kind of cascades down those other kind of decisions about what am I going to focus on. And, and there's been some chat in the, uh, the audience have been asking some questions. I think you've actually gone through and successfully answered a bunch of them, which is really awesome as well, because it does feel like once you understand your, what you're there for, I want to, in my case, I want to help my business grow. And then you can just start to think about what those are. Now, one question I had, and, and I promise I'm not seeking just free advice here. I'll take it if I can get it. But, uh, you know, so in, in those cases, so let's say someone, a business, for instance, has a, a broad, a broader audience. You know, for instance, a lot of businesses will have maybe a couple products or, you know, they they do a product and they do a service. Are you, do you think like your channels, should they be niche? Like, hey, we're going to, we'll use Camtasia again, since that's the one you talked a little bit about, or Photoshop tutorials. I'm doing Photoshop tutorials, but now I'm really interested in Camtasia tutorials. Should I, that, should that be a separate channel? Should that, should you be focused on growing? Again, I guess it's probably about your purpose on YouTube, what you're trying to do, but like those are, might be very different audiences. So how do you, how do you handle kind of that, the challenge of people are complex, businesses are complex. They're not usually just focused on just one thing. For, for the, for the, person side of that the um like when you know that why in terms of why you're trying to do it then that leads you into the answer to that question so for example like i was saying before on you know leading people um you know catching people that are just getting started in photoshop so that you can sell like brush kits and you know video training and things like that for those people it wouldn't make sense to all of a sudden start doing like lightroom tutorials because right. you're nailing that audience and then on youtube youtube will identify Hey, this is a Photoshop channel. Like the people that are watching a lot of Photoshop content are also watching this channel. Therefore, the system is going to find other people on the platform that are also, you know, similar users, which are also Photoshop users. And the win with that when it comes to YouTube is that, <clears throat> excuse me, if you start, if you have like a, a whole channel around Photoshop and you're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing this in order to drive traffic to my Photoshop asset business, then in that particular case, as soon as you start uploading videos on Lightroom, sure, there, there's some good crossover there because you have the Adobe Creative Suite. So there would be crossover mm -hmm. there. So let's just go extreme. Let's say that you have Photoshop tutorials and then from there you're like, hey, I'm gonna start um, showing people how to use like uh, Logic Pro, right? So something that's a little bit you know different. Um, then in that case, the problem happens when you start publishing some of that Logic Pro content on your channel, then in that particular case, you know, the system is identifying that, hey, this is, you know, for Photoshop people, you start publishing the Logic Pro content. And then, you know, even though some of those videos might do well, the problem is, is when YouTube initially starts showing that content that you publish to the core audience, which is the people that are most engaged in what it is that you're doing, then those people, a lot of them might not even have logic. They might not even have a Mac, which is the only thing that logic works on. So because right. of that, when YouTube is testing your content against those people and they don't respond to it, then that video can pretty much die because the initial people, the people that are most involved in what it is that you're doing are the people that the system is detecting is the most likely to enjoy that content at that point in time. If they don't click on it, they don't respond positively to it, then the, then the system will pretty much demote that content and just stop showing it to people. So because of that, when it comes to YouTube specifically, it's really important to make sure that you're nailing it in terms of the audience that you're reaching and that you're really keeping their interests in mind as well. That's why it's important to make sure that you know that why so that you can make the right content that will get in front of that right audience. Because if you start mixing things up, that's where it kind of complicates everything just based on how you know YouTube's algorithms work because when you start, you know, diversifying your content into different extremes like that, or into things that aren't really a, that laser fit for your audience, then you can run into that kind of problem to where you might be able to rank a video in search, but in terms of, you know, when you publish that video at the time of publish, then being able to fully tap into the recommendation features, you're kind of working against yourself. And a larger problem happens as well. 
So let's say that you build up your Photoshop channel. You know, we should have done this around Camtasia. That would have been more appropriate. <laughs> but let's say, let's say, let's say we're keeping we're keeping the, it uh, fair, right? Like you know, we, we can we can draw the conclusions here. <laughs> but but let's say that you um uh let's say that you build up you know that um that Camtasia or that, that we'll 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 switch it now. So let's say you build up that Camtasia audience, right? That yeah. that are watching your Camtasia tutorials, like Lon Naylor, for example, because he's in here and I love Lon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. By the way. He actually is the person that introduced me through his Facebook group to uh, to Camtasia, actually. But basically, when um, uh, when you're publishing, you know, that Camtasia content, and then you add the Logic Pro content in there, let's say that YouTube initially starts showing it to people, and it just shows it to the right people, and they start responding positively to it. And the next thing you know, that Logic video goes like semi-viral or viral compared to the other content on your channel. Then guess what's going to happen? You're going to not necessarily break everything else, but you're going to start complicating everything in terms mm -hmm. of who is the exact fit for YouTube to show your content to when you publish it, right? So then you start creating, you know, deeper problems within YouTube in terms of who the right candidates are for your content when you publish it at the time of publish. So, um, so because of that, making sure that you are, um, you know, really intentional about one, what it is that you want, to who it is that you're making the content for, making sure that you're very intentional about both of those things and that you're willing to commit to those things for, you know, for the, for the near future um, so that you can, you know, give it the full opportunity before you consider, um, or you can give it a full chance, I should say, before you consider, um, you know, diversifying what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Well, awesome. another awesome answer. Uh, so just real quick, before we get into our next question, I just want to let everybody know, I've got some questions here. We're going to ask them in just a couple of minutes. If you got any more, put them in the chat. Jesse will make sure we get them so we can go through them. Uh, Nick, I, I want to actually, I want to share some data with you. We did a study. We've done it in 2013, 2016, 2018, and we just did it again this year. And it's about viewer video, like video viewer preferences. And these were people that we asked them to think about instructional and informational videos. So we're not talking entertainment here. Uh, let me just find a way to get this shared here. And I think I think you should be able to see that. And this question, yes. one of the questions in the study, we there's about 900 people that took this. We've the Jesse will share the link out. We can we can give it to everybody so they can go download the full report. But in this is well, the question was, you know, think of a most recent instructional information video reviewed. What made you click on that video? And a couple of things I want to talk to you about. For number one, it said the description matched what I wanted to learn about. The title, and this is number three, title was interesting or intriguing. Uh, and I think there's probably uh, thumbnails way down there. So, but those are some things that like, I, I, as someone, I know these play into YouTube, right? Titles, thumbnails, descriptions. What makes, like, how do you make sure you're getting good uh, kind of topics or not topics? Cause we, we got our topics decided, we gone through, let's say we go through the process you just talked about. How do I know, I'm, make sure I'm optimizing those things for whatever it is I'm trying to create, whether it's Camtasia tutorials, Photoshop tutorials, whatever, you know, like how, how do you get good at that? Because it seems like, like what I think might be good, maybe YouTube or the internet, you know? So I'm guessing what, what have you learned through that process of figuring that out? Cause I'm guessing you've been fairly successful at doing that. The first thing I want to say is the people that replied to that um, were not honest in their reply because okay. at that very top one, it says the description. So um, so their interpretation of the description might have been title, um, but because you had that title that's a little yeah. bit lower um, and they saw that because they don't know what the description says until they actually click on the video itself. So because of that, like all the people that answered that one at the top, unless they misinterpreted the description as title, then um, right out of the gate, flawed. <laughs> 
Well, well, it could <laughs> be. For this. It could so, be that they weren't watching yeah. on YouTube, so we weren't restricting oh, yeah, them to yeah. just YouTube. So, so, so they could be Got watching it. on okay. a, a company website, an internal website. We oh, just asked okay. them. Yeah. So, but My I think on that one. Yeah. No, okay. no, no. Got but it. I think you, it's a great point, right? Because I think, especially in public world of YouTube, particular. Uh, probably even Facebook and things like that. It's it is the title is the kind of the first indicator. Title and thumbnail, I think. Uh, you know, it's title and thumbnail are kind of rule of the day because that's what you see. Like that's you know, I, I scroll through YouTube enough. I know how many thumbnails I see that I pass by because it's a crappy thumbnail, or how many titles like I don't think that applies to me. <laughs> But but I guess I back it, but yeah, I saw that and I was like, yeah, but I didn't know that it wasn't on YouTube. So yeah, so my apologies, my bad uh my no, bad it's, on it's, that one. I think it's oh it's good so, it's good to question the data, right? Always question the data. Totally. So <laughs> so when it comes to um, you know, coming up with the the topics, um, let's say that, you know, um in this case, you know, TechSmith is fortunate that they have, you know, an audience that they can actually poll against. Um, you know, same exact thing with like their YouTube channel, seventy seven thousand subscribers. If they post a poll, there's gonna be, you know, a certain amount of people that respond to that. If I, you know, post a poll, I'm gonna have a similar thing, same exact thing on Twitter. However, if you're starting and you have none of that, you don't have anybody following you yet and you're trying to figure out, okay, this is the people that I'm trying to make content for, what type of videos should I be making for them? Um, the very first thing to do is hop onto YouTube and see what other people are doing um, that are also trying to reach those people. So for example, like if you're like, okay, so um, if I'm doing, um, if I'm trying to do the, um, if I'm trying to make kits that I can sell for Camtasia, see if we just switch that. If, yeah, I, if I'm yeah. making uh, kits that I can sell for Camtasia, then in that case, you know, I need to make sure I'm getting in front of them. So I'm going to hop on YouTube and I'm going to go and I'm going to see, you know, all the different channels and all the different content creators that are talking about Camtasia, see what it is that they are doing and what it is that they're doing that they're getting a positive response from. So I'm going to start there just so I can try to get an idea of the types of videos that people are making that are getting some type of response. Um, the next thing that you could do, of course, um, if you're trying to come up with ideas is of course you can hop on like Reddit or Facebook groups around the subject matter um, that you talk about and just start asking questions. Hey, what are your biggest problems around this? What are the things that you have trouble with with this? And you're going to start getting tons of feedback that you can start using some of that as um, ammo, so to speak, for uh, for your for your content that you're going to be publishing. Um, in addition to that, YouTube itself has an autocomplete feature um, at the very top. And what that means is if you go to YouTube search and this works on your phone, this works on a computer as well. If you go to the YouTube search bar and you start typing in your subject matter, YouTube is gonna start recommending things automatically and the same exact thing works on Google as well, but they're gonna start giving you recommendations based on what people typically search for around that topic. And then you can you know, use some of those as video ideas because you're proving by doing that that people are interested in those things. So then you start making content around those things. Um, in addition to that, instead of just putting the subject matter itself, if you do the subject matter, like we'll just say uh, Camtasia, and then you do space and then do A, and then you're gonna see, they're gonna recommend you the things that uh, people are looking for when they take that similar path in terms of Camtasia A. Same exact thing with Camtasia B, Camtasia C, Camtasia D. And you go through the alphabet. And by the time you're just done with that process alone, you're going to have tons of video ideas. Um, and then from there, you can go even further by doing like how to Camtasia. Mm -hmm. And then you do that same exact process again. You're going to come up with a bunch more video ideas and you rinse and repeat. Um, there's also an awesome tool called TubeBuddy. And I hope it's okay that I plug them. Yeah. Um, but TubeBuddy um, is also, they have a, a keyword explorer. And that keyword explorer um, does a very similar thing with the exception of it will actually, for people that already have a YouTube channel, it will actually apply some of the things that you're looking for to your channel. And it'll give you kind of like a probability on like how good of a fit is this for, you know, for your YouTube channel. But if you're just getting started, you can use that as a way 
to uncover um, high search volume, but low competition topics that 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 you can make videos about on YouTube. So for example, like if you start ta- uh, typing in like, you know, how to Camtasia, and you, you know, come to a conclusion like, okay, people are trying to figure out how to zoom in in Camtasia, even though it's like one of the easiest things to do. Um, if it's like, you know, hey, how to zoom in in Camtasia, then in TubeBuddy, it'll also show you other ways that people are looking for similar things. So then you can say, oh, okay, well, this one's a little bit more competitive. Let me click on this one and see how competitive that one is. And then it starts kind of giving you a lot of data. If you start using all of the things that I'm talking about, you start collecting a lot of data that starts telling you like, hey, these are things that people actually care about around the topic that I talk about. Um, So that's great if you're doing like how-to content. If you're doing entertainment content, totally different beast. Um, If you're doing entertainment content, then you have to start, you know, stepping into completely different territory. And by different territory, let's say that you're doing like comedy skits. In that case, you know, it's a lot more difficult to hop into YouTube search and start looking for inspiration. So because of that, you would want to use like Google Trends and you would want to make comedy skits around things that people are that are trending. You would also start thinking about, okay, if I am making comedy skits um, and I'm making comedy skits for the sake of you know trying to get popular on YouTube, then then of case then of course that opens your audience up you know a ton. So then you would say, okay, well these skits, if I'm making these skits, um, if I'm making them for you know this certain age demographic, then I need to make sure that I'm thinking topically, um, you know, for that particular demographic, what type of things would they be interested in? And then I would start looking for trends around you know and keeping an eye on trends around things that you know that demographic would be interested in. Um, but in addition to that, um, you would also want to make sure that you are just thinking about those people like, okay, so if I'm making um, entertainment content for, you know, or comedy skits for this particular type of demographic, what types of things might they find funny just out of normal Mm -hmm. life as well? And then you just kind of start, you know, continuing to walk down that road for your ideas and just thinking through like what types of things would they find funny? But if we apply this to like, let's say somebody that has like a business of some kind, they're using YouTube for that. um, Then in that particular case, that's where you would start thinking from the back end and you take a totally different approach. Um, So in that case, you would start thinking, okay, we already know, you know, what it is that we're trying to do for the channel. Um, you know, the the goal of what it is that we're that we're using this YouTube channel for. If it's like sales and not just like awareness or you know, um, you know, just having that brand interaction with the world, um, then in that case, you would say, okay, well, our goal is to sell, you know, this widget. So since our goal is to sell this widget, then um, of course we need to start looking for video ideas that would lead people to this widget being the solution for their thing. And then in that particular case, you would just start looking around. You'd start thinking, okay, this widget is made to solve what problems, and then you would start hopping into YouTube search looking for all of the different ways that people are framing all of the different you know problems that your widget helps them solve, and then you make videos around all of that stuff. And then, of course, you would diversify your content strategy in terms of making some of your videos to where they are search targeted and some of your videos where they are targeted for recommendations. Um, I can go into the difference in the approach in the, on the two if you would like. Um, uh, but basically, I'll just go ahead and do it. <laughs> so basically, the, the, the approach there is if you're optimizing something for search, um, it's pretty easy to get traffic from search because the people are looking for the type of, you know, they're looking for the video that you made. So because of that, you simply just have to optimize it in a way in terms of the actual title itself that, that you know, helps them identify um, that that particular video matches what it is that they're looking for. Really easy. So like here, you know, in this live stream, you know, how to succeed as a content creator is the title. So if somebody's looking for how to su- succeed as a content creator, um, if this was a piece of shorter form content, then in that case, you know, it would probably end up in, in YouTube search somewhere. 
And if it performs well in YouTube search, then it will end up rising through the ranks, which if that was done for business purposes to bring awareness to that widget, then in that case, once that gets solidified in YouTube search and people continually respond to that, you'll keep getting traffic from that. And that, that one video will keep selling your widget until somebody comes along with a better video that performs better than yours that ends up knocking you down, um, you know, until a handful of videos come into play that end up knocking you out of those positions. So, um, so in terms of, you know, how you would use the video ideas and also apply those video ideas to what it is that you are, you know, targeting with search or with recommendations, that would be the search approach. Now, when it comes to recommendations, it's different. And this is this is one thing that that new YouTube content creators I I won't say you know most but I will say that a lot of new content creators when they when they first come onto YouTube they think that okay um, when I'm making videos for YouTube I have to make sure that I'm going after search and that's not the case um, so basically when it comes to search like I was saying before it's easy because YouTube first they look for the relevance of the query and how well your um, title um, and your other metadata matches that query. Um, and of course, the content of the video is a part of that as well. But then they look for, you know, how well people respond to that content. Um, but it's easy because they're looking for your video. The challenge on YouTube is when people aren't expecting to watch your content. And this is where mm. the great divide happens. So when you see the channels that just skyrocket, the reason they skyrocket is because they start tapping into the recommendation features of YouTube because that's where most of the traffic is. <laughs> so... <laughs> So to put that into perspective, when um, when you make a video and you target that video for YouTube search, when you publish that video long term, you know, it, as long as that video performs in search, you'll end up getting a lot of traffic from search um, because, you know, YouTube search is extremely powerful and you should not discount it in any way, shape or form. But if you publish a video today, the likelihood of that video getting, uh, you know, 100,000 views within the next, uh, you know, two days um, is from search alone is going to be relatively low. However, if it's a great piece of content and people respond to it at a very high rate, you could have that happen overnight coming from a homepage or over a handful of hours, you know, coming from homepages and suggested videos. So because of that, it's really important to make sure that you're also thinking about the recommendation features when you're publishing content to YouTube. And the different approaches, when you're targeting search, all you have to do there is you just have to make great content that, you know, that solves people's problem or whatever it is that, you know, that they're searching for. Um, but you essentially just have to optimize everything for, you know, that particular search term so it matches the query um, so that YouTube will show it there. But when it comes to the recommendation features, like I was saying before, it's more difficult because those people aren't expecting to watch the content. So you have to get really good at helping people identify that the content that you're making is something that they care about or something that they might be interested in through your title and your thumbnail so that you can pull that user from the homepage or from suggested videos. So to put this into reference, a, 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 an example that I like to use, and I always use this just because it's an easy default because it's sitting right here in front of me, is I have an A10 Mini Pro that's sitting right here in front of me. And with that, if I was making a search targeted video um, and I was showing people, you know, how to how to set this up or I was just talking about, you know, this A10 Mini Pro um, that I just got, then in that case, you know, I, I would make it something along the lines of, you know, A10 Mini Pro um, ISO, maybe I make it a review or maybe I do, you know, A10 Mini Pro um, ISO, uh, 10 things you need to know um, to get, you know, the full use out of it, right, as an example for search. However, if you're going for a homepage, in that case, you, of course, you have to think from a video topic standpoint as well when it comes to this. But another thing you got to think about is if I'm trying to pull traffic off the homepage, then I simply need to help people identify that this is something they care about. So in that case, 
in that particular uh, example for the A10 Mini Pro, I might hold up the A10 Mini Pro, make sure they can clearly see that, and then say something like this live, this device changed the way that I live stream or this live streaming device completely changed how, you know, how I do my live stream, something like that. So then in that case, you're helping the, the person, which in that case would be a live streamer, identify that that content's for them by putting the live stream thing in there. You're showing them the, the, the device, but instead of saying like, you know, a Tim mini, uh, you know, pro ISO, whatever review, that's kind of boring, you know, for a homepage, um, you're like, Hey, you're making this claim. Like, Hey, this is, this completely changed the game for me. Right. So then in that case, a live streamer sees that and it's like, Oh wait, this, you know, this changed the game for this person. I wonder what this thing is. And then they click into that and you've grabbed their attention from the homepage. Right. So the approach that you take is different from the recommendation approach. You're trying to help them identify it's something that they care about. And this comes from the topic too, right? Your packaging mm -hmm. is what we call it, but that's your topic title and thumbnail. So topically, you have to make sure that the content's appropriate for, you know, for recommendation features as well. But the idea is that you help them identify it's something that they care about. And you, you do that by using, you know, the imagery, which in this case, I would focus more on the A10 Mini Pro in that case, instead of focusing it on me or focusing it on, you know, a live streaming screenshot or anything like that, because I'm trying to bring attention to, you know, that particular device. So it's like, hey, what, what is that? They read the title, this thing, you know, change the way that I stream or whatever, right? So the approach that you take is different if you're trying to tap into recommendations compared to search. And I know I rambled on quite a bit there. So if I lost track of what I was saying there any better, if that was confusing, <laughs> Please let me know so I can uh, so I can kind of patch it up, you know. Uh, no, no, we, no, uh, no. I, basically, I'm I, I have a to do list now of to go back and rewatch this and think. Okay, how do I how do I change some things that we're doing to make it even more successful? But I mean, this has been fantastic, Nick. I did say we'd take a few questions, and I want to get to those questions. We also got our speed round coming up, so we've, you know we're we're sitting about 15 minutes here. Um, so one question that I mean, came no up. No hurry. Got as okay. much time as you need. Well, if if we go long, we go long today. We, you know, we are we are way ahead of schedule because we normally stream at two p.m. Eastern time. So like we got, I got all day. Uh, just kidding, we won't go that long. Uh, but uh, I, uh, Chrissy Kudavan was asking, what would you consider successful, or what would you consider a successful unquote YouTube channel? Is there is, for you? Is there some definition? Is it is there like? A numeric metric is it just if you feel like you're achieving that initial goal that you set up where what, how would you go about defining success on youtube that's it like um like what you said of on achieving that goal so you know like through a lot of questions like that knowing what it is that you're trying to do is kind of like a default thing that you can that you can fall on because like when you know what it is that you're trying to do your channel's successful as soon as you as it's helping you move in the direction of accomplishing that thing but then once you accomplish that thing that you intended from the youtube channel then then you've achieved that goal fully and then your channel's fully successful um in terms of you know how success is defined um, some people will, will tag it to a number like kids will typically be like, oh, hey, if you don't have a million views on a video, then you're a loser. Right. Whereas, <laughs> you know, like somebody that, you know, that actually knows how things work um, in terms of, you know, people understand that, you know, like if somebody publishes a video and it gets 400 views on it and out of that 400 views, you got a subscriber, you had somebody like your video and you have somebody that's going to come in and watch your content on a regular basis and that you might even end up meeting in the real world sometime or something like that, then that by itself, you know, could be a huge win for somebody that set out just to grow a community because that one person that continually comes back to the channel that enjoyed their content, that's helping them grow their community. Therefore, that one person 
is, you know, in my opinion, that has started the success of that YouTube channel. So, you know, the, the big, like I made it, that is when you, you know, achieve the goal. But in terms of like, hey, is this, is this actually working or not? That comes down to tracking it based on what it is that you are trying to accomplish with the channel. And this is where businesses screw up a lot. So a lot of companies will start YouTube channels and they'll start the YouTube channel for the sake of awareness for the brand. Um, or they'll start the YouTube channel for the sake of driving, you know, sales and or just driving traffic to a website. But then they get caught up in things that don't, don't add up to that. They'll get caught up in things like, you know, hey, why aren't we getting more comments on our videos? Well, the goal isn't to get comments on your videos. Your goal is to spread awareness about your brand or to bring, you know, to drive people to your website. The, the goal isn't to just get comments on your YouTube videos, right? So, you know, a lot of companies will screw that up. So, you know, when you know what it is that you're trying to do, then in that case, you just track that and base your success on that and not, you know, necessarily the other, other metrics. Now, when it comes to view counts, though, Views are always important because no matter what it is that you're trying to accomplish on your YouTube channel, views are the only things that are going to help you do it. So because of that, views are always important. But in terms of your subscriber count, there, it does carry weight um, in terms of your subscriber count, but it's it's really not as important as a lot of people make it out to be. People obsess over their subscriber count. And when you obsess over your subscriber count, you're really kind of focusing on the wrong thing. Because at the end of the day, when people enjoy your content, they're going to end up subscribing to that content. Yes, through calls to action, things like that, you can increase that conversion. But the way that YouTube works now is if I watch a video on the TechSmith channel, I've never seen the channel before. I land on the TechSmith channel through this live stream, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I land on the TechSmith channel <laughs> and I watch, you know, uh, you know, a video on the, on the TechSmith channel. I'm like, wow, this is great. And then I subscribe. No, let's say I don't subscribe. I'm like, wow, this is great. I give it a thumbs up. Maybe I leave a comment I'm like, hey, this helped me. You know, now I know how to animate in Camtasia. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and that's it then if that person, you know, watched all the way to the end and they also engaged in that content, or let's say they're like, wow, this is great. Um, that, that really helped me. Um, let me watch another video. Then what's going to happen is YouTube's going to detect, that, hey, they made it all the way through this piece of content and they clicked on this end screen and watched another video. Um, so then what's going to happen next is next time you log into YouTube, there's a really good chance that that video is going to, or uh, a video from that channel is going to show up on your, on your homepage somewhere. So because of that, it's really important instead of focusing so hard on trying to get people to subscribe to your channel, it's way more important to try to focus on delivering content that actually adds value to people and that people actually enjoy and to get them to try to, get them to watch more than one video at a time. So, you know, that's where you start utilizing playlists and things like that to try to drive people into content being very intentional. And intentional is a thing that, you know, that you, that you hear a lot when it comes to YouTube, but being very intentional about the videos that you put in your end screen when you drop your end screen, being intentional about that as well. So for example, one of the things that a lot of people do is they'll say, you know, like they'll be going through the video content and at the end of the video content, they're like, oh, and that's how you, this, that, and the other thing, you know, and by the way, you know, uh, you know, we've got all this other stuff, you know, coming up down the road and, you know, we really encourage you to like all of that stuff, people are leaving and you can see it in your mm -hmm. audience retention reports. It's like, it always happens to where when you start using that finalizing language, people start leaving and you didn't even get the chance. They didn't even get the opportunity to click on your end screen. So because of that, if you're going to do those sorts of things, it's important to make sure that you have your end screen elements on screen first before you start doing that. So basically get through the content they came in for and then drop the end screen. And then you have 20 seconds, um, which if you can do 10, even better. But if you have um, if you have your end screen element up there, then while you're doing all of that stuff that doesn't really matter to the viewer, 
they have the option to click on additional content. And it's even better if you actually lead them into that content and you are intentional again by saying, okay, they're gonna be coming into this um, how to succeed as a content creator uh, video. And since they're coming into here, um, and we know that a person that's coming into this video is going to be interested in, you know, and, and, you know, like being a successful content creator. So because of that, the next piece of content that we're going to recommend here at the end of this video is going to be something that would be a logical next step to somebody that's trying to succeed as a content creator. For example, in this case, maybe it would be something like, you know, um, you know, three tools, um, that will help you, you know, get better at YouTube or three tools that will help you do, you know, like X, Y, Z. Um, but basically the idea is to just think like if somebody's coming in on how to be a successful content creator, what's the next logical step for that person so that you can try to get that person to watch another video. I actually just had this happen. So um, I had a, uh, a channel members live stream that I did before um, our conversation today, Matt. And um, during that live stream, I actually clicked on a video um, that we were reviewing. And when I was watching that video, I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. And I kept watching it. Um, then I watched another video um, as soon as the live stream was over. And then um, that was in like one browser. And I've got this like ultra wide monitor here. So like while that, you know, browser was open and I was listening to music, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna pop open my browser. I'm gonna check on, you know, my latest videos, see how, you know, the performance of that is. And uh, when, I when I popped open my browser, top left spot there um, was a recommendation from that channel that I had just watched the videos from. And I was still listening to one of the songs that was uh, playing in the background. So in terms of the thing that's most important, the views and getting people to watch more of your content is the most important because that shows YouTube that people are satisfied with the content that they're getting. And the thing that YouTube wants more than anything else is to keep people satisfied on the platform so that they keep coming back day in, day out, watching videos on their phones, watching videos on their TVs, watching videos on their computers so that they can keep selling ads. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, yeah. So because of that, you know, it's really important to make sure that you're, that you're thinking way more about how do I get people from one piece of content to another? How do I make content that people, you know, will watch for at least a competitive amount of time so that YouTube will identify that people are having a positive experience here. So they'll recommend it to more people. Yeah. So I love that. I love the idea of intentionality with all of this. I think that's a theme throughout kind of everything we've talked about today that the end stuff, I, I'm even thinking about, okay, how am I going to end this today? So I make sure I can do that right. And, but it also, it reminds me of experience. And I've shared this in a lot of places, but we did a video and this is, oh gosh, 2014. Like it was an advertisement. It was like 51 seconds long. And it was like the, we made it in the style of like the TV show 24. So it was like, this got like, we had people running, we had like all this great stuff, like a briefcase opens and there's like this dry ice effect. I was super fun to make, oh, like nice. it was doing really well. But at 37 seconds, so you can imagine 37 seconds to 51 seconds is still a long time in the world of somebody watching an ad and getting a message. We had in the story like this point where people applauded because like this guy was all about removing the green screen like color from a for Camtasia it was a new feature like trying to make people aware of like, hey, you can do this really easy in Camtasia. Well, it, the storyline went that people were applauding because the guy was successful at showing his presentation that didn't have the like the green screen was removed, right? But it wasn't the end of the video. There was something else that happened right after that. But people saw applause and what'd they do? They stopped watching. And we're like, yeah. they missed Camtasia. <laughs> like we never said Camtasia until the end. And so it was like, it was like, oh my gosh, we did all this work. And it was, it was a great ad. I still have it. I still use it. And I use this as an example of this exact thing all the time. But it's just like an example of failure because that intentionality at the end, people know they're done. Let's go. And applause was a universal signal for 
They're done. Let's skip yeah. ad. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see a couple other questions here that we've got. We've got, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what about building audience and potential clients on the back of ex expertise? I mean, free tutorials on YouTube are great. They generate an audience and awareness. How to cross over into business. So obviously there's, you know, YouTube, if you're making stuff for YouTube in particular, you're, you're putting out for the universe for the most part um, for free. You're giving it away. So how do you, what, what thoughts do you have about taking that content and turning that into real dollars? I know you talked about some things like, hey, you could sell people brush packs if you're doing like Photoshop stuff. There's assets you could probably lead them to, but anything, any other thoughts or ideas you would leave with Absolutely. us? So, so the very first thing, of course, is to make sure that you're spreading awareness about what it is that you're doing. So your expertise is going to shine through in the actual content itself. Um, but for the things that you have available, um, if you're wanting, you know, like if you have a product or service, the things that you have available, you have to make sure you're spreading awareness, but you have to do it in a way that's non-intrusive and to where you're actually like leading people into that stuff, but you're also just letting them know it's there. So for example, a very simple thing that you can do is if you have like, you know, links going to specific things, you know, for your company or whatever in your description, simply putting a, you know, hey, you know, useful links in the description or, you know, more about that in the description or whatever it happens to be just a little graphic, kind of like we have this lower third on here right now, just having a little graphic right there that lets people know that you have things available down in the description. That's one way to spread awareness. In addition to that, you can also do very simple things like just like we have this lower third right here and it's got the website on it, right? It has nickname and then it has nickname on here. So the same exact thing can be used to where you don't have to be intrusive with what it is that you're doing. So like, for example, like a video can open up, you can be like, you know, Hey, I'm Nick. Um, today, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, how to build a lower third in Camtasia. Um, very first thing we're going to do is we're going to, you know, go to the computer and we're going to open up, you know, our, our thing, um, our, our, you know, our Camtasia. And, uh, and, and as I'm saying all of that, a little lower third can come up. It can have, you know, a name on it and it can say, you know, you can pitch it if you wanted to, you know, if you can break everything down to like a very small value statement and then put a call to action to, you know, get it at this website or whatever, then, you know, right there, right out of the gate, you're spreading awareness about the thing that you have. Um, in addition to that, where I was saying before about the um, end screen and trying to get people to click on more videos, that's where if the purpose of your channel is to, you know, drive, you know, leads and sales, then in that case, you know, during that part in the end, where you know you have those in-screen elements up so that you're also leveraging YouTube at the same time instead of having it you know down to 10 seconds and in that case maybe you would extend it a little bit longer and say things like hey you know the YouTube channel is a little bit messy um, in terms of you know we've got a lot of free content here but you know we go way deeper in my you know coaching program and my course you know on our website uh, you know whatever the thing is that you have available but basically just do a very quick and easy you know essential essentially a pitch um, at the end of your um, video for that by just bringing attention to it. Because the beauty of YouTube is that, um, you know, in addition to recommending, you know, content to the right people and all that good stuff and, and helping you spread awareness about your brand that way, the beauty about YouTube is that people also will keep coming back. Like if you are adding value to people, they'll keep coming back to the channel as long as you continue to add value to them. So because of that, you know, you don't have to make a sale from every single video from every single person that watches that video. All you have to do is just keep focusing on delivering excellent content to them that continues to add value. And people are going to get familiar with the things that you do through little subtle details. Through, of course, you know, through like the lower thirds, having your, you know, website on there, people might watch 10 videos before they even realize that you're, you have a website on your lower third. But in that 10th video, they might be like, oh, you know what? I've never actually visited, you know, nicknimmon.com. Let me, I wonder what he's got over there. 
And then right there, you know, you just got that person over to your, over to your website. So, you know, because of that, you know, you want to make sure that you're spreading awareness, you know, in any way that you possibly can. You can also do it through like in-screen graphics as well um, as, you know, lower thirds like this. And you can also do fun things. Like for example, like let's say that, um, let's say that you have, you know, live stream like this. You know, you can also use that to bring attention to, uh, you know, to your products or services as well. Um, so that you can make sure that, you know, every piece of content that you're putting out there, you have that awareness, you know, happening. Um, and then of course you can also take the marketing approach, which is because that's the content creator approach, right? To where it's like, Hey, I'm just delivering tons of value here. And since I'm delivering tons of value here, people are going to keep coming back to the channel. And I'm going to use that as a way to continue to spread awareness about, you know, all these different things. Um, so that's the content creator approach. Now, if you take the approach of like the marketer, then in that case, it would be a little bit different because then your videos would lead people into, hey, you know, I've got this, you know, guide or this thing that you can download in order to get it. You know, I've got a link down in the video description, click on that. And then, you know, you can go and download that specific thing. And then there you're just being a lot more aggressive because you're taking that marketing approach. You have your website set up to where, you know, you can have an opt-in on it to where you can drive people into, you know, that particular opt-in and you can start email marketing to them to eventually lead them into your product and service that way as well. Um, that's the marketing approach. And then of course you have the fun things there as well, to where you can get them like pixeled in, you know, through, you know, so you can start, you know, remarketing to them on Facebook since they visited your website, things like that. Um, but you can start, you know, doing more advanced things there from the marketing side. Um, if you, if you take that approach, but at the end of the day, you know, everything, you know, when it comes to any of this stuff, podcasting, live streaming, you know, uploading videos to YouTube, like if you're trying to use it for business, it really comes down to just making sure that you're making the right content that's going to get in front of the right people. Like we talked about before that will lead them into your product or services that you offer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I, I'm feeling like this is, there's just so much good information. Speaking of, you know, like checking out nicknimmon.com, I'm sure go check out Nick's YouTube channel. Let's, I'm going to be the marketer here for you, Nick. This is, uh, this is awesome. Uh, so our good friend, uh, Gord Eisman, you know, we, you know, Gord, uh, is asking so, so, a question. So, so Nimminati, the name Nimminati, that actually came from Gord. So Did we're in really? a live stream. Yeah. So we're in a live stream. We we're talking about, because, you know, on the branding side of things, like, you know, having a name for your community is like a really big, you know, part of that. And, I, and, and like, I, I was like three years in at the time and, and I've like wanted, I was like, you know, Hey, yeah, I'd love to have a name for the community. And we were talking about, you know, me and my brother D on one of the live streams and the, you know, the, the people in the chat were like, you know, just throwing out different names and stuff. We're just trying to come up with something. And Gord mentioned that. And then from there, it was like, you know, everybody in the chat was like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. We saw it. We're like, oh, that's great. And then um, we've adopted it ever since. But uh, thank you, Gord. For, uh, yeah. So, for that. so my first experience with Gord is we met at uh, TechSmith held this really kind of a small event at our campus uh, a number of years ago. Uh, I think it was a screencast. We call, Either it was Screencast Camp or we changed the name at one point to Camptasia. Uh, and, and Gord oh, was nice. there and I got to do some one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, answered Gord's questions on Camtasia and stuff like that. So Gord, we know Gord for a long time. He's he's fantastic. So his question yeah. actually is funny you mentioned community is, uh, we're going to ask the community one. He says, Nick, how important is the use of the community tab to grow your channel? Any tips on using community tab? Now, this is obviously for anyone who's listening. This is a very YouTube specific thing. There's this community tab. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing there's lessons that apply across other tools. But Nick, what do you think? From how, how should we be using community tabs? So community tabs will show up on home pages. They'll also show up on mobile feeds as well. So because of that, 
you can use your community tab to pull people back into what it is that you're doing. So let's say you publish a video um, when you publish, uh, well, let's just skip publishing a video. So um, let's say you have an old piece of content in your channel, people loved it. Then in that case, you can share that video in your community tab to kind of bring some new life to that content, to spread awareness about that content that other people enjoyed to the audience that has, you know, just started being involved with what it is that you're doing recently. Um, so you can use it as a way to pull people back into what it is that you're doing. Now, when you are doing that, just as a heads up, um, it's important to not necessarily look at the engagement of that particular post when you do that, but more so to go to the video itself and look in the analytics of that video and see how that share impacted that particular video. So instead of looking at the engagement, because those posts are usually the lowest engagement. So instead of looking at the engagement for it, then you know you want to make sure that you're looking at the result not necessarily the engagement of the community post itself. In addition to that, you know how we were talking about audience before and how important it is to understand who you're making content for? Um, another thing that you can use your community tab for is to better understand those people as well. So for example, asking people little questions. Hey, do you drink you know decaf coffee or caffeinated coffee, right? You can ask that question or you can ask a question that's a little bit more specific. Like in my case, you know, I might say something like, you know, hey, what's the biggest struggle that you currently have on your YouTube channel right now? And then I'll get a huge list of, of problems that people have. And then I can say, okay, a lot of people are having this particular problem. So then I'll make a video about it. And when I make videos about those, they always do well. And they do well because, you know, those people that are speaking in that community post are the people that I'm trying to reach. But there's a bunch of other people like them as well that are also having similar problems. So, you know, because of that, being able to use it that way to just get a deeper understanding of, you know, the things that your community or the people that are interacting with your content um, that they are having trouble with, you know, and things like that can help you make better content for them. Even little details like, um, you know, in my world, so to speak, um, you know, we have the whole YouTuber um, identity, right? To where it's like, you know, hey, um, you know, uh, you know, hey, I'm a YouTuber. I'm a, you know, YouTube, you know, I'm a, I make content for YouTube, therefore I'm a YouTuber. And a lot of people identify as that. So because of that, I'm like, okay, um, this is how we identify. So I'm curious, do you identify as a YouTuber or a content creator? And I make, mm -hmm. make it made a community post about that come to find out that a lot of people actually, you know, identify more as a content creator that are watching my videos, or at least the people that interacted with that post, they identify more as a content creator than they do just a YouTuber. So then what that does for me is that tells me, okay, well, some of my content, when I put it out, I normally just say like YouTuber, you know, things small YouTubers need to know. But now that I know that they, there's a, a lot of people that also identify as a content creator more than a YouTuber. Now I can actually use that language when I'm writing my titles to help better connect with them and to help resonate with them better in my titles, because then I can communicate with them in the way that they identify with most. So, yeah. you know, using your community tab in that way for just deeper insights for the people that are watching your content um, can also help you grow because then you start to understand who it is that you're making content for. You can start to understand the problems that they have. And in addition to that, you can also figure out other things. Like, for example, my live streams. So, like, I'll, I'll, I, I asked, uh, uh, there's some posts that I have in my community feed to where I'm like, hey, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, uh, do you watch my live streams? You know, if so, you know, you know, like yes or no, or like what's going on. And I find out, you know, of course, a very small percentage of my audience, you know, watches my live streams. So then I can ask follow-up questions, you know, hey, why don't you watch the live streams? It's because, you know, this, this, and this. And then I'll start collecting data on that as well to where I can use that as a way, like, hey, maybe I can use this, maybe not, but maybe I can use this information to make my live streams better so that the people that don't, that don't typically watch them might want to come in and, and, and watch them 
based on, you know, some of this feedback that I'm getting from the, from the community posts. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can use it. But in addition to that, you can also do fun stuff as well. Um, we call it, you know, a tab collab. But if you're a YouTube content creator, um, you know, a lot of people think that collaborations are things like this, you know, where you, mm -hmm. you know, just have, you know, people come on live streams and stuff like that, or to where, you know, you make videos and put them on each other's channels, that kind of stuff. Um, but with a tab collab, that's where you just share another content creator's content um, in your community tab. So if you have overlapping audiences, um, then what you can do is you can, you know, say, hey, you know, um, uh, you know, this coming week, you know, what videos do you have coming out, you know, with another content creator, what videos do you have coming out? Hey, that one would be great for my audience. So I'll share that one in my uh, community tab, uh, you know, this coming week, um, you know, what content of mine that's coming out or that I currently have on the channel would be a good fit for your audience. Okay, share that and then you both share them and then you start sending traffic back and forth um, through that collaboration. You can level that up even more. Uh, when it comes to the tab collab, I actually made a whole video about this. So all this information is like fresh in my brain. So thanks for this question. Gord. <laughs> but, uh, but another thing you can do to level this up as well is once you get to the point of, um, you know, working with sponsors and things like that, you can also do col uh, tab collab around sponsors. So like, for example, um, uh, you know, uh, with camp, uh, with uh, TechSmith, you know, they're a sponsor. Um, I also have another sponsor um, called Spreadshop um, and I've got, you know, a handful more as well. But like with people that also make content for, you know, for TechSmith, for example, like I can also share their stuff in my community tab, which will then also bring more attention to the sponsors that you have. So just all the way around, you know, you can use it in a bunch of different ways based on, you know, whatever it is that you're doing on your YouTube channel um, in order to grow the channel, but also to deeper understand your audience and to also, you know, spread even more awareness about the things that you're trying to bring attention to. Yeah, I, I love this. Getting some positive feedback about the tab collab, and I know we just had a poll that said like something about our, because our time was going to be different than normally when we do our live stream, and I, one of the options was like you have a live stream, and like to see how many people didn't just didn't know, right? Like they were just so yeah. unaware, and that's fine because you know I can't expect that everybody knows my schedule every single week, but uh, I love that. Uh, that you're using it not only to gather information, but you're using it to promote other things and just generally be helpful. So, um, okay, Nick, we're gonna. I, I want to ask one question. I have one more question that I want to ask, and then I think we'll go into our speed round because those will be fun, and we love our speed okay. round. So, uh, for you, what is the hardest part about being a video creator? Because you've talked about. I mean, the thing that I think is clearer for me than ever before, thinking about how much work, just how much work you're doing, right? It's not, this is not like I turn on the camera and I talk. It's like, there's lots of thought and effort that goes into this. There's, you know, you talked about that early days of, you know, being like that, oh gosh, I gotta be on camera and getting over that. Um, so for you and all this, you got this start to end process. What What's the hard thing? Um, the hard thing for me is that, um, and this is gonna, sound a little bit outside of what you asked but i mean it's it's still That's the okay. same yeah but but the the hardest thing for me is that because of the importance of making sure that you're serving the audience that you're trying to target um it's like i feel a little bit limited because i know just through testing on my channel I know that if I publish a piece of content that's like a little bit more advanced, that people just don't respond to it as well. So because of that, I have to make sure that I'm continually putting out content um, that is, you know, just strictly like, hey, if you're getting started on YouTube, like this is the stuff that you need to know. These are all the, you know, tools and techniques and strategies and all that stuff that you need to know to, you know, to get a foothold here so that you can, you know, kind of set yourself up with a solid foundation. But then as soon as I start getting into more advanced stuff, like, you know, using the grouping feature and using playlists and, you know, different ways and things like that, 
as soon as I start getting into that kind of stuff, then people, you know, just tune out in terms of like audience retention and just the overall response to the content. So for me personally, um, that is uh, kind of the issue for me because, you know, like I would love to, you know, um, uh, make some, and, and I actually do this and I use my live streams for it. So I need that outlet and my live streams are my outlet for that. <laughs> so basically like I live stream every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern, shameless plug there. But basically with the, um, with the live stream, like I use that as an opportunity to talk about things that I can't normally just talk about in videos and to explain things a little bit deeper because, you know, when it comes to YouTube, like audience retention is so important that, you have to be really careful because if you start going, you know, down a path that's too deep, so to speak, then the deeper that you go, the less people are going to, you know, understand what it is that you're talking about one, which means that they're not going to get value out of what it is that you're doing, which means that, you know, that, that they're going to just end up tuning out completely, which means that the overall performance of that video is going to take a hit for it. So, um, so because of that, like for me, um, you know, not being able, I I'm able but I'm just, I always make sure that the content that I'm putting out, um, that it's going to, you know, perform well for my type of content. And when I start going down that road of trying to get into more advanced things, then that's where, you know, everything gets tripped up on the video side. Um, but on the, on the live streaming side, I'm, I'm able to let some of that stuff out. Um, but on the video side, like that limitation, I, I'm going to call it a limitation. I mean, I could publish the content, but just, you know, historically those videos just don't do as well. Oh, I think that's fair because I, I, you know, I've, I've been at TechSmith for 15 years. I started off making tutorial videos on Snagit and Camtasia and, you know, like uh, someplace along the line, I picked up this role where I, I'm uh, doing a lot of this and talking about, I go out and speak at conferences and on in webinars and things about that, about video. And I talk about a, the, like the same stuff over and over and over in different ways. And I find ways to make it interesting and, and unique. But I, I know that that feeling. Sometimes I'm just like, do you know what I really want to do? I just want to dig in and make something really complex and difficult and talk about that. Uh, but that's not what most people need. And, and so I, I, I understand that, that feeling of an outlet. And unfortunately, I get to talk to really awesome people every week. So it makes, makes it really fun to, to be able to have these conversations, even if, if it's not the super, super deep stuff. So... Sure. Well, and, and really quick on that note, though, yeah. you know, like I think, you know, like like you were saying about how you have to come up with different ways to, you know, to, to do things and make things interesting and stuff like for 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 what it is that you and I do. Like, I think that that's where we get to kind of flex our creativity because, you know, we can't really necessarily do. I mean, technically we could we could make different types of videos to illustrate the same thing and that would be a way to do it. But in terms of, you know, being able to make, you know, the same type of content, but. Um, but being able to flex our creativity in a way to where it's like, okay, we're going to take the same subject and we're going to explain the same subject. Like, how do I explain the same thing in, you know, like a hundred different ways so that people, you know, at different levels can make sure mm -hmm. that they, you know, get good takeaways from it. And, you know, and, and so that the people that watch the content on a regular basis don't get bored. And so that it actually is fresh when you're talking about it, instead of it coming across as something that, you know, that you're kind of rehashing. So like, I think that that's where you know, for you and I that make this type of content, I think that that's where, you know, our creativity really gets to, uh, you know, gets to come through. All right. And so simplifying things too. Like, how do I make this as easy as possible? Like that's, a, that's a challenge. You know, like, how do I, how do I explain this in a way that the, that the largest amount of people will be able to like fully pick up and apply what it is that I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think that's the fun part of it. Yeah, getting people to understand it from their nuanced position, right? Oh, I, I do this. Yeah, how do I understand it here? So yeah, there's so much there. So here's what we're gonna do. I see there's another question that just came in from Bite Size. I think it's a really good question, and I'm gonna, but we're gonna put it in the speed round. So let's go ahead and jump into the speed round questions. 
Okay, remember, Nick, the idea of speed round questions, these are supposed to be fat. You had, have had wonderful answers, but we're gonna push them down, make you, force you to answer right. it as short as possible. First, first question I wanna ask, is there a secret sauce to YouTube? And if so, what is it? Yes, make awesome content that, that people enjoy over and over again, rinse and repeat over and over. So the algorithm on YouTube, the algorithm follows the audience. YouTube tells us that crystal clear in the Creator Academy, they literally say the algorithm follows the audience and they say, instead of worrying about what the algorithm likes, think about what your audience likes. And if you make that and they enjoy it, then the algorithm will follow. What that means is if you make great content for people and you're adding value to people and value is interpreted in different ways, it can be entertainment, mm -hmm. it can be gaming, it can be, you know, help content like we make, but like, you know, the people have to be getting value from what it is that you're doing. But if you make good content and people enjoy it, YouTube will find other people like those people that are enjoying it and show your content to them. So just focus on making great content and you can use your audience retention reports inside of your YouTube analytics in order to see how good your content is. Um, in terms of how people are responding to it, your audience retention reports are a second by second graph on how people respond to what it is that you're doing. Um, but basically just make great content. And of course, you got to learn how to get people to click on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. because, you know, you can have the best, you, you know, I had a friend of mine that um, that he, he used to have this analogy, he called it the greatest, the greatest uh, burger in the world, saying mm -hmm. that you can have the greatest burger in the world. But if you but if nobody knows where you can find that burger, nobody knows like how to get to it, nobody's ever heard of that burger, then you know, you're not gonna, you know, you'll, they'll never know the greatest burger in the world. Same thing goes with your video. If you don't have, if you have a great video, but you don't have the ability to get people to click on it, then you're dead in the water. Because if they don't can't click, you're never gonna be able to get them to watch. So you have to develop that skill. Okay, great, great. We're, we're gonna even push through your, your answers a little fast. You're, you, you just sped okay, up on okay. me, Nick. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay. All right. Okay. So this comes okay. from bite size, and so this one Watch I don't expect for this one. All right. Oh uh, yeah, shake it off a little bit. Uh, this yep. one probably it's got it's got really probably three answers, but he says, "What's your top three lessons you've learned from being uh, a YouTuber?" So top three things that you've learned. Um, be prepared for opportunities because they come um, always and they um, they come in ways that you can't expect. Um, that would be one. Um, two, always think of your audience first because they're the people that make everything happen. Three, show up and do the thing. Um, because if you're if you get lazy, then it's going to reflect in everything it is that you're doing in terms of, you know, your performance and all that, you know, for the channel, um, like people notice. So because of that, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're you know being as consistent as you possibly can. Love it. Show Love up. It. What I mean, uh, well, I, 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 those are absolute good pieces of uh, uh, great advice that you've learned. And I, I think we're all learning that as well. Okay. What's the coolest thing that's happened to you because of your YouTube success? Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. Um, so one thing that is abnormal, um, I'll say is, um, I had the opportunity because of my YouTube channel to go to, um, Armenia two years in a row. Um, actually it was before the pandemic. Um, but basically go to Armenia two years in a row and um, uh, teach groups of young Armenians um, about YouTube. And they're already content creators, but basically teaching them about YouTube and how to get their channels to work and how to work with sponsors and things like that because they were limited. Um, like they don't have, you know, AdSense over there or anything like that. So, you know, they had to figure out like alternative methods of, you know, monetization and uh, sponsorships was one of those. And uh, basically just kind of, you know, helping them navigate all of that and just, teaching them all of that, but having the experience to actually go to, um, to Armenia and, you know, have that experience together with them, um, was a pretty epic thing. And, um, uh, and the, the second time for a different group of kids, uh, was also extremely epic. But in addition to that, um, you know, being able to 
just interact with, you know, all the cool people that I've been able to interact with, you know, that are also, you know, content creators or in this world, so to speak. Um, and, you know, being on, on stages at, you know, at like Vid Summit and Social Media Marketing World and Video Marketing World and, you know, Nomad Summit and SEO, like all, you know, all these different places, like, you know, that's a cool experience that I never, you know, that I never even planned for. So, um, but, but yeah, like I could talk about that side of things for the next, you know, 30 minutes easy. But, um, but, you know, in terms of the coolest, I don't know, but Armenia is definitely, you know, pretty high on the list. Um, and then of course, you know, having the opportunity to go on stages and stuff is pretty cool um, as well. And then of course, my brother and I have always worked together, you know, and not always, but, you know, we've always, um, you know, try to, you know, like if one of us is doing well in something, we always try to bring the other one into it. Um, so, you know, being able to bring my, you know, brother into YouTube um, has also been a, you know, a pretty awesome part of this experience too. Well, I, I love all those answers. I, I love that you're helping, you were able to help kids. And, you know, it's been interesting as I, I'm, I'm definitely on the outside looking in on that circle, but I, as I've gotten to know several of the people in that kind of that, some of that, that group, uh, just all fantastic people. Like there's really good people who are genuinely interested in helping and, and are really generous with their time, such just as you are today. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's a cool, cool outcome of that. Okay. Uh, two questions left. The first one's not so hard. Second one, it's everyone says it's the harder question because it's one we ask all the time. So Nick, you do a lot of things. Where do you turn for inspiration? Um, for inspiration, um, I'll usually, hmm, that's a great question. So um, yeah, I guess it would be, um, I guess it would be dependent on inspiration for what. So um, hmm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, Just yeah, I would say- In general, we're, like you're looking, you know, like obviously you got video stuff, you could go do the research, but like just what what inspires you in, in things? So we like to keep I the speed around probably... a little high level. <laughs> Yeah, I would say probably, you know, just like audio books, YouTube videos, podcasts, that kind of stuff, just other, you know, content that I listen to, you know, like, like I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh, that's, you know, that, you know, that's cool. And it'll, you know, make me think in a certain way. Um, so, you know, I would say, you know, just content um, in general would be, uh, would be the thing um, in terms of inspiration. Yeah. yeah that's keep a tough filling, one. Yeah. yeah. Fill the bucket. Okay. We'll see if this one's tougher. Oh. Last question is what's a question you'd like to ask me? I've, I've asked you tons of questions today, so you can return the fire. Um, so with you, um, if, if you were not making content for the TechSmith channel, would you make content for YouTube on your own? And if so, what type of content would you make? Gosh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question because I've been doing this for so long. It's hard to like me and TechSmith, I think I've, I've merged with them in some degree. Uh, so it's really hard to think about that. I think had I not worked at TechSmith, I'd be much less likely to be willing to make content like this, right? Because I wouldn't just have the experience and I think it would have been much like you. I maybe would have been hesitant to be on camera. I'm also not 18 years old. So there's a little bit of that hesitancy to put myself out there. Um, but if I were to leave TechSmith today, like they kicked me out and said, hey, go make, you have to go do your own thing. I would definitely make content. I would probably still focus on video because I've spent 15 years of my life talking about video and talking about getting better. Um, I also, my background's instructional design, create, learning how to create training. I'd probably go start thinking about how to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm an entertainer. I'm not. I'm not in doing this to get famous. So I'm. Th I'm, I'm thinking through those questions. Like, why? What, what would I do? I. My goal is to help people, and I'd be fine. I'd be looking for ways to help people, whether that's through my faith community or through using how you can use video and 
whatever you're doing, or, or maybe there's something else there. Um, but I think one of those, I, I would try to be trying to help people. So yeah, whether it's video or writing or, you know, doing something like that's create a creative outlet like that. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That was way easier than the second question, by the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like that was, that okay. was easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nick, yeah, I mean, you're solid, just helping people. That's good. Yeah. Really good. You know, it's, it's, I, I think that's why I'm, I feel very lucky to do this job, right? Cause I get to help people. I get, to, we just did this awesome event. We had about 9,000 people sign up. We called it level up. And we just talked about how people can communicate better in the workplace, right? Using video and using images and screenshots and things like that. And it was, it's just so fulfilling to hear people say, oh, that was useful. Like that's, that makes my day like, oh, I actually learned something. I've got a vis a cat just got into my lap, which never happens during live streams. So, uh, she's, she's here. Everyone loves animals in our, in our live stream. So. Hey, what's up kitty. Hey kitty. Nice. So anyway, uh, so it's been, you know, that's the thing that helping people is at the core of who TechSmith is. And it's really, that's why I think I've been at TechSmith so long is because it's like, I know what makes up my kind of DNA and that's, that's at the heart of it. So just helping people be successful and whatever, nice. awesome. whatever they're doing. So. Nick, you That's have awesome. given us way more than I would have ever expected. Not not because I don't think you're that type of person, but just because I'm I'm very grateful for the time that you've spent, the answers, the depth that you've gone into. This has been fantastic, uh, and just just wonderful to be able to chat with you. And there's calls, yeah, likewise. Uh, there's likewise. calls like in the audience. You, uh, they they, they want you to come back. Uh, so hope maybe we can we can Anytime. figure out an, another time to come back and we'll do part. They, they're calling it part three though, just so you know. Okay, <laughs> we I'll part one, for part, part two. three. Awesome, awesome. We'll have to get that scheduled. Uh, well, everybody, thank you for tuning in, Nick. Where where should we find you? Like, if people, we we've been dropping chat links in the chat all day, but like, where else should they be? What should they be looking for if they're going out to learn more from you? Yeah, mainly just the YouTube channel. Um, if you just look for Nick Nimmin on YouTube, then my channel will pop up. Um, and follow me on Twitter as well. Like those are the places that I'm the most uh, the most active. Is of course you know YouTube and Twitter. Um, so so definitely follow me in both of those places. And um, besides that, though, um, you know of course you could go to nicknimmin.com, but um, but you know YouTube is probably the place where you'll get the most value. Um, so I would definitely uh, I would definitely check out the YouTube channel. Yeah, tons tons of great value there. I can attest that we we recommend Nick Nimmin. He's got some if you're, even if you're looking for Camtasia stuff, some really great videos on using how you use Camtasia, which is insightful and more on the way, which is awesome. We're so grateful for that. Uh, and I know I I love watching your stuff and listen to you. I even think I caught you on Clubhouse a couple times, which was which was fun. Just sitting in the audience, listening to people chatting and tr what the mess of Clubhouse is or was. I don't know if it's even a, much of a thing anymore, but. Okay, yeah, I haven't well, been on I, there in a while. I I think people still, you know, do publish or they still, you know, do go on there. Um, but I also haven't been on there, you know, in quite some time. Uh, quite some myself. It's cool though. Like I like when I go on there, I like it. But uh, but yeah, it's just not the buzz. I think is gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The flash in the pan. It's it's we've we've yeah. worn out. So here's what I'm no I'm I'm noticing, Nick. I've got tw I've got like 20 seconds now to wrap everything up and and get my call to action. So we want to thank Nick once again for coming on to the show and all you for great questions, great comments, great answers. Make sure you check out the playlist of all the videos so you can go see all of our great guests that we've had on the Visual Launch before. And make sure you check out next week. We've got another great guest coming on and we can always promise you we've got great tutorials and everything on the YouTube channel to check out about Camtasia and about Snagit and just about creating better videos. So thanks everybody. We will see you all next time.